0: Warning: Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. Um, uh, I just got home from a 610-mile, um, three-day trip with our, with this episode's guest. I talked to Kelly Swayze. Uh, Kelly is a anthropologist and filmmaker, but uh, Kelly has been one of my best friends for 27 years now. Um, There was a a period of a couple years where we were roommates and uh, you know Kelly lives overseas in Indonesia now um, but was back in the United States for a couple weeks and came up to New England and we just just spent several days in the White Mountains just enjoying New England weather, and it was great. It was great catching up with her, and we've actually been talked about talking about doing a podcast episode for a while. So we did it on the on the ride down to me bringing her back to Logan Airport. So there is road noise, so I do apologize now, but um, yeah, we we <laughs> went the whole weekend. We went on hikes. Um, we went to several record stores. We just. Did a lot of hanging out and um had a great time so um and you know we had talked about before we started recording that you know we could talk literally for hours and hours um this is this is a, about an hour's worth of us catching up after catching up over the course of three days so yeah without further ado this is my conversation with my friend Kelly swayze Little, uh, actually you can leave that open. I'm gonna do it the, the backwards away from how I normally do it because I have six questions I normally ask at the end because I completely lied to you and said I don't have questions set up. Um, Did you? Know? Well it was, it's the same six questions that I asked everyone I just started it this season but uh, given talking about music a lot of it has to do it so let me see if i can remember the questions because i've always used my cheat sheet before but um do you remember what your very first concert you went to was
1: i do <laughs> i do do you want to share that um, information i'm not sure if i should disclose this information at this time no it was the grateful dead oh. um uh, i want to say that did fish also play Oof. I don't know. I might be mixing that up in my head, but it was definitely the Grateful Dead. Where was it? Somewhere up in Maine. Don't know exactly where. I do you remember driving up there and being stuck in like the caravan of people, like doing helium balloons and stuff? How so old were you? I must have been fifteen or sixteen. And the funny thing is that my sister and my dad were also in the same show, but I was like there with a friend so I was really terrified that I was going to run into them because, of course, we were misbehaving. Sure. Um, yeah, so probably 15 or 16, I guess. I yeah. don't think I was driving yet. So. That was that would have happened to have been like, right towards the end of their career because yeah. I
0: think Jerry died in 95.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Because he,
0: he was already dead when we met. In 96
1: Okay
0: um, I only I know that Maybe
1: I was younger than that Yeah I
0: only know that because uh, Melissa Is a big I mean super big Fish Fish fan But I was
1: also a fan Of the dead So Do I remember anything else About the concert? Not really Right um, Did you enjoy it at the time? I mean I guess I don't you know That was a long time
0: ago You're not You're not uh, A big dead <laughs>
1: devotee Now <laughs> No definitely um, not um, um occasion yeah i don't yeah. think i feel simply grateful that in years i do and i have to add to this though one of my favorite concert memories was with you seeing uh tenacious d and weezer in in gb world and NG- did jimmy world play that they show? were in the middle yeah it was tenacious d then jimmy world that's so, so funny i have zero memory of that yeah sorry jimmy's world yeah. um yeah, what that was Portland, Maine. Like, it was the Portland Civic Center. So I have this like funny memory of watching Kyle Gass and um, Jack Black in their underwear, like running around the stage, right. pirouettes. Yeah.
0: They have. Have you seen? Um, they just released a new video of their cover of Chris Isaac's "Wicked Game." Oh no! That I didn't is. See uh, that. And they're trying to, like, ape the original video because they're both in their tidy whiteies running around the beach, the shore.
1: Seems they've been doing that for 20-plus years. Yeah,
0: and they're now, like, 50-plus-year-old men with... <laughs> well, Jack Block has a huge gray beard now. And nice. it's, it's sopping wet from the ocean. But it's quite sensual.
1: Who was that? Helena Christensen was in that video yeah, right? Yeah, yep.
0: Apparently, her and Chris Isaac did not get along at all. Nice. I'm sure um, that was fun, too. Yeah, um, let me see if I can remember what the second question was, oh, uh, yeah, uh, Beatles or Stones? Stones. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Did you, did you grow up listening to either of them?
1: More to the Beatles, I think. Same. My dad and my mom both really like the Beatles, so, yeah, I have so many memories of being in the car, like, listening to the Beatles. Um, but I would think spiritually, I'm closer to the Stones. Sure,
0: that's kind of. I didn't come to the Stones until like my early 30s. Like I would, like obviously I knew all the hits and stuff like that, but like you know we grew up with the Beatles playing in the house all the time. Like the Beatles are definitely like part of my DNA. Yeah. But as far as like who do I choose to like, if I'm putting music on, it's way more often than not putting on the stones um shit I'm trying to think oh, I, I'm getting these out of order which doesn't matter but uh and this might be uh neither either, but uh Star Trek or Star Wars
1: Star Trek I guess I mean I you know I was really into science fiction growing up and right. so that's all part of that kind of world I think um and I remember enjoying, especially, like, the older Star Trek when you had sort of, like, almost the Twilight Zone themed episodes. Right. And there were a couple of them that were quite good, right? Yeah. Did Rob Sterling ever write for Star Trek? Yes. Okay. Yes. That makes sense, then. Thinking of one with, like, the... I don't know what the creatures were called. They were, like, little puffball creatures. Oh, tribbles. triples. Yes. Yes, that's what we have. Anyway. There's a lot of trouble with triples. <laughs> trouble with triples so yeah I mean I watched that right
0: yeah um, I think you're the second Star Trek part, since I've been asking these questions really
1: most people say Star Wars Star Wars I uh, mean for me Star Trek was all part of that you know there's that weirdness of American science fiction where it sort of like becomes a metaphor for foreign cultures sure so probably that's what attracted me to it at that time sure um yeah, like, the Americans' way of dealing with things that they deem to be exotic sort of gets played out in a lot of those older yeah. episodes, yeah. so. Well,
0: and the the original Star Trek was, like, <laughs> he wanted every member of the, the bridge crew to be from a different country, different background. Right. Um, also, the first uh, interracial kiss hunt on uh, television. I did not know that. Captain Kirk and Lieutenant Aurora. Fancy. Yeah there was um, years ago there was that uh, the roast of William Shatner yeah and um, Nichelle Nichols was on it you know when she's roasting him she's like uh, you know we made history first uh, black woman kissing a white man on TV and she's like now let's make history again and you can kiss my black ass (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty funny I know the answer to this one, but, uh, dogs or cats?
1: Oh, are you going to make me disclose my old cat lady status in public? <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely on team feline. Um, I would love to have dogs, but yeah. because I have lived overseas now for so many years, it's a lot harder to move dogs around than it is cats. Yeah. Um, where I currently live in Bali, Indonesia it's actually illegal to bring dogs onto the island or take them off because of a weird law that has to do with, like, rabies. Um, So there's this whole cottage industry of, like, smuggling dogs on and off the island. It's actually, I I don't think you bring cats either. Um, Yeah, so this is what white folks who moved to Bali for a year are, like, constantly talking about is, like, how they're going to get their rescue dog off the island. Um, Also, strangely enough, there's a breed of dog in Bali that's, like, thousands of years old. Like, yeah. Um, it's they're, they're just called Bali dogs um, that are genetically distinct from, like, all other dogs on Earth.
0: Interesting. Most people don't know. But you can't, because of that law, it's probably next to impossible to actually... Oh,
1: no. People do it. it. They they just pay these kind of, um, I don't know, like, agents to kind of spot out sure once you get them to jakarta then you can get them anywhere you know like the normal process restarts yeah yeah so i have a friend who lives outside of washington dc who brought her three bali dogs there and they're living their best life hanging out in fields right anyway i digress Um, i mean that's yeah this
0: podcast is all about digressions so um I know I'll get a good answer for this one, because some people are like, oh, it doesn't really apply to me. And this doesn't even have to be your number one, but what's what's a favorite book of yours?
1: Um, a favorite book is The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. I've, I usually reread it once every couple of years. It's yeah. still as beautiful and heartbreaking as it was the first time. Um, I also really... Like her nonfiction, so she wrote that novel and became sort of the darling of the literary scene in India. Um, and then, sort of, used her fame, I think, in a way, to write about what's going on in Kashmir. She writes a lot about like inequality and inequity in India in general. She's super brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then she wrote, a, not a sequel, but I think people saw it sort of as a sequel because it's similar themes. Another novel that came out too long ago. I guess that's five, six years now. Um, that one was really beautiful, but I still think The God of Small Things is one of my favorites. Will always be one of my favorites. Nice. nice.
0: I, um, I mean, you always, you've always read a lot. Um, I. Do you find you read more now than you read when you were younger or last? Or is it easy? Is it easier or harder to make the time to read?
1: I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question because I think reading has changed because of all of our access to like online information. Yeah. I definitely still read a lot, um, but I don't think I sit down and read novels as much as I used to because like, there's so many other things to read online. Yeah. I had kind of a habit of reading, um, there was a website called Longform. So, like, on every Sunday, I would read, like, three long-form articles. I really love, like, long-form research articles. But they've shut down now, so I kind of stopped doing that. And I'm sure there's other sites out there that do it. I've just been lazy. Um, But I've tried to go back this year particularly, and I guess partially because of the pandemic, too, like, more time to read and start reading novels again. Um, Yeah, but I've always been a huge reader, so I don't think I could, like, exist without reading. It's just, like part of what I do on a daily basis yeah um you know what I was looking for the other day was House of Leaves because you were the one who had recommended that book to me originally yeah and I loved that book and I can't find it anywhere like it's not online like it's not I I can't find anywhere to access it I doubt I can find a place to buy it where I am
0: I know it's uh I know it's on Amazon is
1: it on uh, Amazon are you sure? because I checked and I couldn't find it I, I checked
0: fairly recently um which i known that I would have brought a copy. Um, yeah, that's that's like one of my my two favorite books, and I'm actually kind of bummed that there's not an audio version of it, just because I wanted to revisit it. But I don't know, it, as an adult, I find it even as an adult but like in the last five years it's really hard for me to like sit down to physically read a book like yeah. um, I my mind wanders so quickly and but you know and I started doing audiobooks when I had like you know an hour and a half commute to work and it was great and I've kept, kept up with it um, and I usually every day when I drive to work I listen to 20 minutes of a book so it takes me a while to get through them but that was one that I you know I read it I think i've read it three times but it's probably been 10 years since the last time i read it so uh, i
1: don't know how you do that i mean there'd be a lot of challenging things to make that into an audiobook yeah so so much of it is visual in yeah. that book
0: i mean i betcha i don't know if we see like if we stop in manchester eventually there's like a barnes and noble there i bet you can
1: find it there. yeah we should check that would yeah. be
0: cool because um, n- it never got published in a hardcover. It's always like they, they've republished it a few times. Um, that was like the compromise for the first edition was because of how weird it was, like arranged and because there's like three different colors of text and stuff like that. That was the compromise that the Mark Danielowski the author made with the publisher that they wouldn't do a hardcover edition it would start with paperback.
1: Do you know what year that was published? I don't
0: remember. If I were to guess, I would say either 99 or 2000, because the first time I read it, I finished it uh, in Romania on New Year's Eve. And I only know that because that is my brother and sister-in-law's anniversary. I finished it the morning before their wedding.
1: Their wedding in Romania?
0: Yep. Yeah, the second one. Uh, the one I was going to say, because
1: uh, I remember we were at their wedding yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. In September? No. Rye. Uh, rye. Rye. Yeah. Um, That's a wedding I'll never
0: forget. Yeah, <laughs> their uh, their secular wedding was at a church, and their religious wedding was at a restaurant in Romania. Okay. You know, as you do. Um. But, yeah, so it was either published, because they got married uh, – on the, you know, the millennium. No, wait. Yeah, it was. No, not the millennium. Not 99 to 2000, but
1: 2000 to 2001. Yeah. So. I just want to put a little aside here that we are driving in the highway in northern New Hampshire right now. Yeah. And this really intelligent person who just drove in front of us without a helmet. Please wear your helmet, people. Yeah. It is just asking to die. I know
0: I ride a motorcycle every single day. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's Bike Week here in New Hampshire. But that is not an excuse. To be no, no, no. It's not an excuse. It's funny that's. I haven't actually seen too many people not wearing helmets. I know this
1: that's weekend.
0: the first one that we've seen. I think. We've seen a lot of motorcycles, but uh, a lot of weekend warriors. Uh, we've we've seen a lot of motorcycles. We've also seen a lot of motor c- tricyclists. Yes, tricycles,
1: wave motorcycles.
0: Yeah. I don't know what to call those. Yeah, um, but. I also have a bunch of people I know who ride ATVs and refer to them as bikes. And I'm like, <laughs> "Do you know bicycle means two wheels? Like, they're like, no, 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 everything that you ride is not a car, is a bike. I'm like, it's small details. Yeah. Test. I mean, one of the few things that I appreciate slash curse about being raised by my father was that he was always like a grammar and spelling Nazi. So whenever I see language be, the the English language being you know maligned and misused and, you know maligned. yeah it bothers me to no end all right probably the most important question what's your favorite dinosaur Whoa. that's
1: that I was not expecting that no nobody expects the dinosaur question This is the little one that's like really closely related to the chicken probably that velociraptor no that's not a velociraptor is that
0: even real yeah okay. well so because you know velociraptors like i never heard of a velociraptor when i was a kid it was jurassic park that like made right. them famous but the dinosaurs that are in jurassic park those are not actually velociraptors velociraptors are very tiny and, oh, that's
1: probably what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, they look like lizards mixed with chickens, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But that dinosaur is called something else, and you know they told Spielberg that, and he's like, "Velociraptor sounds cool, but we're just going to call them Velociraptors." <laughs> so um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize it
1: was a
0: mislabeling issue. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it, it's interesting because uh, you know that movie they use a mix of puppets and CG. But for a movie that's 30 years old, it holds up incredibly, like, the way it looks holds up really well. And so whenever, like, I see terrible CGI in movies and people are like, yeah, but they're doing the best they can with technology. I'm like, bullshit, we've had 30 years and, like, this was believable in 93, so...
1: Every time I watch that movie, I the only thing I can focus on is that it was filmed in Honolulu. And right. I know all the places that it was filmed, and I was like, oh, I know that park. Like, total, uh, as we'd say, an amnesia-sala focus, rock focus, Gotcha. I, um... Yeah, you lived in... H- How long did you live in Hawaii for? Gosh, I guess I moved there around 2003, and I didn't really fully leave until 2010 although I was in Indonesia for my field work for a year during that period. So I did my field work like 2009, 2010 came back to Honolulu briefly and then, yeah, moved to Indonesia permanently at the end of 2010. Yeah.
0: The, yeah, the last time I was in Hawaii, um, uh, was probably 2008. Yeah. I think that's what we figured. And when we were there, we did a, uh, there's a there was a dead uh drove by a a dead deer and there were a whole bunch of I
1: was staring at the beautiful falcon
0: well the falcon had its wings spread over and there was a there was a whole grouping of them down below uh, below the guardrail because as soon as we drove by that falcon just pounced down and they just started uh eating the deer um uh Hawaii oh when I was in Hawaii um one day we were on we were on the island of oahu and i knew that you could do the the whole perimeter of the island in about five hours i
1: Um, think it's less than that
0: yeah um but you know so we just started at one point kept the ocean on our right and just kept driving but when we got to like the northeast part of the island there was a bunch of the perimeter you couldn't go on because uh that show lost was filming at the time and they (laughs) had a bunch of stuff shut off and like one of the hotels that we like stopped near. they're like oh yeah we like we don't have any vacancy we won't have vacancy for another six months because all the cast and crew like like the, the studio just rented out the hotel for like six months
1: so I did all of my grad work at University of Hawaii Manoa mm-hmm. and they used to film in Manoa Valley all the time. So like it just became this thing, of, Oh God, they're filming lost again, like you gotta right. go down this side street or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, we saw the cast. I mean, you know, Oahu is a really small place. It's also a place where like I think most locals don't don't just don't give a shit about famous people for the most part. So I think cast really liked living there because they could just sort of have a normal life especially after the show took off Um, and my Arabic teacher Ustan Adli who was from Yemen was the dialect coach for the character that was supposed to be from Iraq Right. So he like would be on set to like basically help him speak Arabic in the Iraqi dialect correctly. So because right, like, that that actor's British,
0: really. Yeah. yeah,
1: so it was pretty cool. And he was like, he is the nicest person. I actually wrote what is that guy's name? I ran into him like so many times. You see him at the mall all the time.
0: He um yeah, he was one of the few people on there that I thought was like a, like a genuinely really good actor and I'm surprised I haven't seen him in more western stuff since then. Yeah. I always, the only, I think the only person from that that really, like, became a bona fide star after the fact was Evangeline Lilly, who yep. I don't think is a particularly great actress. She's fine.
1: And some of them ended up saying out am They were, like, yeah two from the cast, and then I think they're
0: there and Jorge Garcia still lives out yeah, there. Yeah, right. uh But, you know, once you've started in Lost and been on a Weezer album cover, what more do you need <laughs> to achieve in life? yeah Yeah. um and like but i also think like other than like matthew fox and dominic monaghan none of them were really well known beforehand so it's like that show kind of put most of them on the map um and i haven't really seen matthew fox in it in much since then um it's so funny to um You know, we were talking yesterday about, like, just content and how much content there is out there because that was, like, the biggest show in the world for a couple years and was just, like, a cultural phenomenon. And now just, I don't know, 12, 13 years from when it ended, talk to people in their 20s, and a lot of people have no idea because there's just been, like, such a continuous tide of stuff. Well, and that
1: really restarted the whole, yeah, I mean, that was one of the first, like serials, right, that we were all watching and talking about, so that was, like, the beginning of some new phenomena, I guess, in television and entertainment, and yeah, just the multi- season series, a lot of them sci-fi, too, right? Like, it started up a whole new era of genre, I think, in television.
0: It was also, that was, like, I think, sort of the tail end of what they call appointment television, where it was on at a specific time on a specific day, Yeah. like streaming wasn't a thing, yeah. so like you had to wait till whatever it was, Thursday night, Friday night to see it, and then, you know, what used to be called water cooler television, people would talk about it at work the next day, but yeah, that was one, because I have a couple friends that think it was a phenomenal, like, brilliant thing like, and I really enjoyed it for the first couple seasons, and then it became clear that they were making it up as they went
1: along, and so, there were so many loose ends when it ended um, yeah, I can't remember how many seasons I actually watched until so I sort of lost interest, and I think I went back when it, when it ended, watched it end, but
0: and it was, the, the ending, uh, was one of those things that, like it was the most blasé, like junior high school writing assignment ending where, like, you paint yourself into a corner and you're like, and then I woke up. Like, but,
1: okay. Um, speaking of good endings, yeah. it shows that I really like, I came very late to The Good Place, but my partner and I absolutely love that show. Yeah. Like, I think we that was during the pandemic, I think we watched it all in a couple of weeks or something. Um, and we still talk about the last episode of that show. Like, We've still never seen it. You've never watched The Good Place? Nope. Oh my gosh, I'm so surprised by that. Well, I'm, I'm a disappointment to most you know me. <laughs> I'm not disappointed, I'm, I'm just genuinely surprised. <laughs> um... Why? You don't, like, kiss the bell? What's
0: the... Uh, I mean, not really actually, but also, like, I... It's just, like I said, like, I have a list of like 500 things that I need to watch. I don't think that's even on it because you might be the first person that's like mentioned that they watched it. But, uh, but, you
1: know. Okay, well, I'm a dork, right? And that whole show is written as like a long philosophy lesson, actually, about human life. And even the one character, cheating in it is like a a PhD, a dorky PhD philosophy guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole joke is about him or like his shtick is that he, was too obsessed with his academic work mm. but it's a really like it starts out kind of weird and you don't really know where it's going but once it gets into the like later seasons you realize like oh okay this is really talking about like morals and ethics of human life and um maya rudolph is god or like whatever the supreme deity in the universe is yeah. hilarious and yeah it just ends in a really like beautiful way so, to recommend. How many seasons are it? Uh, good question. Which I don't
0: remember. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, and I enjoy I enjoy Maya Rudolph. Cool. Is it Minnie Rivington? Was her mother?
1: Uh, her mother's famous. Their dad's famous too, right? I think so. Okay, too many questions
0: all at once. Questions, questions, too many questions. You want a shard? Here. Yeah. That is my. Dark Crystal reference for this trip for you. Uh, speaking of that, did you did you watch the the Dark Crystal prequel series on that? I have not. How was it? I still haven't finished it. I I was so excited for it for, you know, decades, hoping they would do something to revisit that world. And when they did, I was just like, I don't really care about this. But they also did. Most of the voices were celebrities, which completely takes me out of an animated thing. Particularly if it's puppets, because um, like Seth Rogen did one of the voices, and I'm just like, as a fucking podling, it's like, Ugh. I mean, he didn't actually do his voice, but he has a very recognizable voice. Do you know what I mean? And a lot, and because a lot of the voice actors from the original have passed away since. You know, forty years ago, they recast some, and some of them they did a good job with some, not so much. But also, like, there's not a ton of the same characters in it because uh, it takes place a couple hundred years before. Dark Rhythm. But like the wo- the woman who voiced Agra, they re- recast Agra, which is like a pretty distinct voice. That's cool. But yeah. well, anyway
1: good place has four four seasons so i have questions for you now now that you're done with your questions sure why is it that you think both you and i in very different ways some overlap, really really like enjoy visual media like what is it about that in our lives because um, not everybody wants to talk about the movies they've seen literally every time we're together. It's just like, who oh, have you seen that, this? I mean, I mean we right. really enjoy t- these, like we enjoy film. Sure. Um, I think we just enjoy visual entertainment in general. Um, and I, I am someone who watches like just about anything. Like I, right. in general, sort of enjoy watching all sorts of different things. And yeah. I sort of have thought through a lot of the reasons about why that is, um, partially because I like taught media and film for many years. I really enjoy that as a subject. Like I really enjoy thinking about it, in like a societal or cultural sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm curious what you think. It's it's
0: interesting because I've thought about it a lot, and and I think part of it. I mean, we've always talked about movies, and you know, um, when we lived together, we watched movies or shows together a yeah. lot. Um, I know from like an early age because I wasn't. I don't know, I was a very shy kid and didn't, uh, I don't know, like, wasn't particularly happy in my childhood for various reasons, and I think films and television were very much an escape to, which is probably why early on I really gravitated towards like fantasy and science fiction, Um, but... it's funny because as an adult a lot of the stuff that I like I like a lot of dramas I particularly like a lot of really sad films but I also like stuff that I don't know kind of helps me like being a fairly empathetic person like to see perspectives of other people who are different than me or you know other people's experiences I guess um yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny too because like I also, you know, I used to I used to do one movie podcast with my friend Greg a lot, and his biggest complaint with a lot of the movies because we have very different tastes in movies. You know, he likes actions and comedies, but he was just like in a lot of the movies I watched. He's like, yeah, but nothing happened in this. And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't always have to be. You just about, describe
1: my favorite good movie. Yeah, because where nothing happened. Yeah, I'm
0: like I I enjoy character studies a lot, and also where, like, you really get to know, like, one or two characters uh, deeply. Like, to me, that's way more important. Uh, or, maybe not important, but that's really kind of connects me to a film more than than this happened, than this happened, than this happened, which is funny, because like, I, I gave myself this assignment, which has been torture, which I, I watched... All of the Fast and the Furious movies this year. Sorry, (laughs) I haven't seen the new one yet, just because it's so different from what I watch. And I was like, all right, I want there's there's ten of these things. There has to be some. Like I was basically trying to unlock the what is it about it. I I haven't. I'm just like, oh right. People just like cars and explosions and girls' butts.
1: Yeah, in cars. Uh
0: Yeah. well there's like the first like six movies there's always a street race in them it doesn't matter what like weird espionage thing they have to accomplish they're like uh, alright we're here in Madrid we found this secret street race where we're meeting this guy and there's always girls in like just tiny little booty shorts that are like half the flags and I'm just like uh-huh, yeah. uh huh yeah but I, I don't know I, I was very very bored
1: I'll them. tell you, I've seen some street races in my time. Yeah. And I've never seen girls in booty shorts with flags, so I feel.
0: Well, you've got to go to the ones that Vin Diesel's in. Missing out. Now. Sorry, Mark Sinclair. <laughs> I refuse to. I, I like to call out his real name. Oh. when. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, why do you. Why do you. Putting the question back on you. Why do you think you've been drawn to visual media? Being a filmmaker yourself?
1: No. Oh want to be a filmmaker again. I'm, like, only
0: a half filmmaker. Um, what do you mean you're only half a filmmaker? I
1: don't know. Does it count? I made one documentary. I don't know if that counts. That's, I, call myself a filmmaker. I mean,
0: that's more films than, like, 99.9% of the population have made. So. True,
1: but it's so pretentious to say that you're a filmmaker.
0: You didn't say it. I said okay.
1: it. Um, probably similar reasons to you. I mean, I think I was, yeah, I was, like, a pretty... Only kid we moved around a lot, so I was very into like reading similar fantasy science fiction, horror, I was always a huge horror fan. Yeah. Um, funny story, when I was in gosh, was it fourth grade? No, maybe it was junior high. Junior high. I got in trouble. They called my parents because we had an assignment where we were supposed to make like magazines. It was for maybe for English class or something. Yeah. And all the girls were making like versions of 17 and Mary Claire or whatever. Um, and my magazine was called Death, Darkness, and Decay. And it was like all based on like Edgar Allan Poe. Right. And, like they called my parents to tell them they thought I was slightly disturbed or something. And sure. And I was like, I'm not disturbed. I just don't like that other crap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think as like I was telling my mom this the other day, I was talking to, oh, I guess my coworker and I were just talking about this. Um, I remember when Netflix started yeah. how exciting that was, because it was the first time I was able to get, like, foreign films on a regular basis. Yeah. For me, similar to what you said, like, I always loved, like the ability to watch films and have this, like, window into another world, right? And I would get, I mean, I can remember, like, making those Netflix lists because you would get either one disc at a time or three discs at a time depending on what your subscription was. And, like, you'd have the list and you could move stuff around on the list and I would just spend hours pouring through their catalog and be like, oh, look, there's this movie from China or whatever. Like, to me, that was just the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, And it was for someone who grew up in New Hampshire – with parents who didn't really travel um, and who didn't really have a lot of access to, like, other cultures. It was just this way to see something else, to learn about something else, which I guess I was always really interested in. Yeah. As I got older and started working outside of the United States and, like, realized the way in which films really not only reflect, like, really interesting things about, like, our normative parts of culture but also like sort of construct them i got really interested in like the theory behind all this about what we do see in media and how it influences us and when people aren't seen in media what does that mean um so i actually even ended up i taught for gosh, i taught that class for four years yeah um about like religion on film in Southeast Asia. So looking at the way religion gets represented in different countries around Southeast Asia for my Southeast Asian students. Um, I also ended up being working at the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at the University of Hawaii and my colleague um, Paul Rausch, who was also very into film like I got really introduced to the world of like, doing subtitling and um, all these film festivals for different Southeast Asian films and learned a lot about that during that time. And that was incredibly fun, um, which was eventually what led me to sort of teaching about it. I've been involved in the film industry and like film festivals in Indonesia for many years now. Um, so yeah, I think for me as an anthropologist, it's like part of, especially now, because it's so much of what shapes us um, in terms of what we think and see in a general sense of culture, is what we consume for media, Yeah. and that part's been really fascinating, like, as I've gotten older having been a kid that was, like, really into movies and TV and all of that stuff when I was younger to have, like, this whole other way of exploring it um, has been really cool, and I don't ever really get tired of it, like, I'm always interested to see what people are doing The really cool thing now with Netflix, going back to Netflix, once Netflix became streaming because we're old and we remember the days when it wasn't, um, you know, they have had this actual whole, um, I guess, section for Netflix in which they are subtitling and releasing more regional films. Yeah. And they, I read a whole, they wrote a whole report. They have a whole R&D, like, section that talked about, like, why they were doing this. And part of it had to do with, like, regional tourism. So this was for the Asia Pacific region that they were like, the more people they can see these films translated into English, like the more interest they might have in traveling to those places because they get a more like authentic and nuanced view of those places. And I was like, Oh, that's super fascinating. So they were actually working with some tourism boards around Asia. Um, but just the fact that now you can get a lot of these films, like Indonesia has a big distribution problem. for various reasons there's great books about this written by Krishna Sen and Thomas Parker about the history of the Indonesian film industry like and why it was so hard to get movies distributed but I know a lot of like Indie directors and now it's almost like the film goes outside Indonesia to the Indie circuit it gets famous out there and then they're able to get it into theaters in Indonesia yeah um there's also issues with censorship, and so that's a whole other aspect of it. But now you can get this stuff on Netflix like almost as soon as it comes out, because there's more incentive for these young directors to make their stuff available on Netflix, and Netflix does all the work to do the subtitling in multiple languages. So this is like really revolutionized, I think, like a lot of the film industries, at least in the region of the world that I live, that, you know, you you wouldn't even be able to see those films if you didn't live in the country. Paul and I used to go from back when we were still doing discs for films. We would go to this one particular store called Tara Disc in Indonesia in like three different cities when he came to visit. Or we would go to the places where it was all pirated, because that was a big thing, right. and buy as many films as we could. Because like, once they were gone, they were gone. They disappeared. Yeah. Um, so we've lost a lot of things. Although we, him and I like tried to keep some of that. Like, I have a whole disk of a lot of old Indonesian films that people can't get a hold of anymore. Um, but the fact now that this is on a streaming service, and like anybody in the world could watch a film that was made in Java last year, yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's. It is interesting how technology and the internet has really made so much of the world accessible to us that it just wasn't when we were growing up. Uh, I mean, you know, there's certainly the downside to social media and technology and stuff, but that is definitely one of the, one of the things that is positive uh, fun fact also uh, next month is when Netflix will no longer be offering the disc service at all which okay, I didn't know that they still offer. the well that's service. what I I knew they did a couple Holy years bullet. ago because when I right before I went on my road trip um that I did five years ago I decided to put my Netflix on hold and um you know the, having discs delivered and then because I think you can put it on hold for like 90 days or 120 days, whatever. And then when I came back, I was kind of living a fairly transient life for a while, doing a lot of couch surfing. And I got the message like, hey, you know, you got to renew it or don't. And so I chose to not just because I wasn't really in a place physically where I could watch movies. And they're like okay just you know if you renew later you won't be able to do the discs like you can do the streaming but you know your grandfather did right now if you keep it going but if you stop it and restart so I was just like okay and then uh, because my buddy Bob still gets uh, discs but he's hoping because he's had a bunch of stuff on his list for years that you know he's never actually gotten he's never gotten that he's hoping some of them show up in the next month but you know I'm sure a while ago like they stopped replacing movies that got broken and stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah. Um, It's funny too because I, you know, as the way we consume movies and shows has changed and a lot more people do streaming and stuff like that, you know, a lot of people comment about how often I go to the theater still. Mm. And I enjoy that experience almost separately from whatever film I'm watching. Like, even if I see a movie that's not great or sometimes terrible, you know, like I, I was saying earlier this weekend, like I've only walked out of the theater a handful of times and I realized just like it goes back to my childhood of like really like it was a special thing when I was a kid to go to the movies and like just being completely transformed with the lights down. Like you're in a different place. That's not your home. So I don't know. I feel like it helps me with the whole, like being in a different world thing. Um, Whereas you're at home, you know, I, when I watch stuff at home, I'm usually checking my phone, you know, I'm getting up to go to the bathroom to get a snack, whatever.
1: Yeah, there's a whole different level of engagement, I think. And yeah, now with the streaming media, it's like you get bored with it and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to fast forward this thing to the next part. I find myself doing that a lot with streaming media. Yeah. Um, but I agree that the going to the theater is a whole different experience. Um, and I usually save that now. We don't We don't get a ton of films in Indonesia. I mean, we get the big, main headliner American films. Yeah. Um, but sometimes the more indie stuff either it'll only play like in the big cities um, or it'll be like an independent sort of screening that somebody wants to do or something. Yeah. Um, But I usually save like special ones like, okay, I'm going to go to the theater and watch this because I really want to like go and watch it as an experience. Yeah.
0: It's, I try and it's funny because a lot of uh, the films that I really like, particularly like small dramas and like weird science fiction films or horror films. Like, a lot of them just don't get released theatrically anymore. So when when they do, I try and go out of my way, even if it's driving two hours to a theater that's showing it. But, like, we were in um, Montpelier, Vermont, two days ago, and there's a, a Capitol theater there, which is one of the two movie theaters in downtown Montpelier. And I remarked that the five films that were playing were all either sequels or or one was the remake, the new live action Little Mermaid, and it's that that tends to be what studios are really doing now. I mean they make money, sure, it's kind of like money in the bank, but it's also there's there's a, a lot of
1: sameness to what is being put in theaters now. Yeah, I find a lot of the like mainstream American stuff is just super boring and derivative and don't really engage with it that much, to be honest. Like, I can't think of the, like, last big blockbuster film in the U.S. that I, from the U.S. that I saw.
0: I mean, we do have time before you get to the theater. We could stop and see Fast X before you head Um, to... the it's
1: so sweet of you to offer. Gonna have to think about that.
0: I'm trying I think the last movie we saw in the theater together was Her.
1: God, really? Was it that long ago? Yeah,
0: because... I mean, and that movie's like 10, 12 years old. Yeah, I haven't
1: rewatched that in um, a while.
0: Well, it was funny because, like, I was reading, because I think our reaction to it was different than a lot of people because we didn't enjoy it very much, from what I remember.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and what, like a lot of people were like, oh, it was
1: brilliant. Um, I know, I remember what my problem was with it that what? Scarlett Johansson's voice was far too recognizable. And so I just felt like, I know she was supposed to be like this. Character that was sort of amorphous, but then I was just like, "Oh, it's Scarlett Johansson pretending sure. to be a computer," and that kind of irritated me. Yeah. So I wonder how I'd feel about it now if I went back and watched it. It's been a long time. I know,
0: way back in the day,
1: Johansson, Joh- Johansson,
0: Sorry, I Johansson, which is, I, I watch a, um, I watch a YouTube channel that they just do like lists. It's all, it's like a daily thing, and it's almost always about films. It's like. 10 most recent films that do this or you know and it's been you know it's it's essentially clickbait but it, it I find lots of minutiae about films through that yeah. and it's but it's a British thing so everyone who everyone who posts on it is English and all of them no matter what oh, whenever they say her name they always say, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> and I'm like, you know that's like, you know that's a J. I'm like, you know it's a J, and they ha- like they say the letter J in England. Like, what are you doing? Like, even if that's how that I don't know. It's, I'm like, she's she's literally the highest paid actress in the world. She's clearly well known. You know how to say her name.
1: I didn't know she was one of the highest paid actresses. In the world.
0: She's, she's the, the, the highest gosh. paid actress in the world. From uh, from. Um The Last Avengers movie. Really? Uh she got forty million dollars for that movie. Oh
1: look. Yeah. A couple
0: couple
1: uh she's wearing a helmet.
0: Yeah. Both wearing helmets, both wearing flannel. Um I remember way back when I was living in Hampton, I was listening to her, her album of Tom Waits covers. Um, I remember yeah, that. I like that album. I like that. I, don't, I think you did not enjoy it as much. No, I don't um, think I did. She, she's done a couple albums with Pete Yorn, too. I don't know if you've heard those. have yeah,
1: not.
0: Probably um, won't listen to the either. Right. I, I, I don't know. I enjoy her singing voice. I used to when I worked at Trader Joe's, you know, uh, on the night shift we would switch off different people would play their playlist every night and I would sometimes put this one song with her and Pete Yorn on just to see if people could guess who it was. Nobody ever knew who it was.
1: My feeling like on that is like, if you are the highest paid actress in the world and you've succeeded in that career, I don't know if you need a second career, frankly. Look, stay in your lane.
0: Dog Star was recently reunited. <laughs> so that's true. Um,
1: Wait, who's the li- I'm thinking David Duchovny, but that's not... No, 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 yeah. no. But he also did some sort of music thing.
0: Did he? Uh, uh, no, it, Keanu Reeves is oh, the Keanu bass Reeves player. Uh, yeah. Luckily, not not the vocalist. Uh, um, it's funny because there's been a lot of, like, you know, articles about it recently. And they're like, the Grunge band, Dogstar. And I'm like, Dogstar is not grunge. Like... Just because Keanu Reeves is of the age and now looks like a grunge musician all the time. They're not. They're like some weird power pop bands. Uh, They're not very good. But, you know, I uh, I support Keanu Reeves and all his endeavors. He seems like a genuinely nice
1: fellow. Can you explain that to me? Because... I get, I don't really understand this whole like mythology around Keanu Reeves, That no. he's just a nice, normal guy. I mean, that may be true, but in my sense, there's probably plenty of actors that are just nice, normal people. Like, why has this become like this whole? I think part like, of the cult of Keanu? like, oh my god, he is just like such a human being. He had a, a real life, and I'm just like, and like,
0: who cares? Right. Um. I don't know, Well, I mean, I think part of it in general, why the public has, like, jumped at it is because, like, people learn, like, you know, his history of his, you know, them losing their child and his fiance dying in a car accident and people are like, oh my god, that's tragic. But you're right, it happens to normal people all the time. Um, I think also because he kind of, like, stays out of the limelight as far as, like, his personal life. Right, and, uh, yeah. Uh, There was a video that I saw recently. He was doing... Because he wrote a comic recently. um, Like a limited series. And he was doing... uh, An in-store signing in a comic book store. and, And there was like a young kid. He was like nine years old. And he was like... Kid was very excited to meet him. Knew who he was. Like, I'm sure the kid knew. He plays John Wick and all that. But, you know, he was... Very like, what's your name? It's like Noah. He's like, it's nice to meet you, Noah. I'm Keanu. Talking, and then he's like, hey, do you draw at all? And the kid's like, yeah, I can draw this. I can draw this, and like, asked the kid to do a drawing for him, and like, and you know, the kid gave it to him. He's like, thank you so much. This is this means a lot to me, and like, um, you know, I, you know, it got me in the soft spot because I was like. You know encouraging a kid to be creative that young like that kid's probably going to continue to do art um or or he's much more likely to continue to do that because of not only was he encouraged but you know a a famous person took the time to do that i don't know i i appreciate that um it's funny because i'll i'll go see a lot of movies that he's in now um but Almost all of the movies that he makes, I'm like, it's not very good movies. Well,
1: you were talking about you went back and read Dracula. I went back and watched Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula the other day, and I was like, oh, he, oh, it's boy. funny
0: because it gets because he's been doing a lot of like podcasts and stuff for, uh, you know, when John Wick came out, yeah. uh, and that got brought up a few times, and he's like, he's like, yeah. Um, i'm definitely the worst part of that movie he's like he was like it was a great experience he's like he's like i honestly i think um francis coppola's biggest mistake in that movie was casting me in it he's like he's like i was way out of my depth he's like i will say like i you know i i became like I, i met tom waits during that and i met uh Anthony Hopkins during that, both who are, like, still dear friends. He's like, and they were very gracious to me early on. He he talked about, like, how he learned a lot about, like, being kind to people, like, through his interactions with them. So he's like, that movie means a lot to me, but it's hard for me to watch because he's like, I feel like I take away from the film when I'm on screen. But, uh, you know, I also appreciate the honesty about that you know what i mean um but he also like whenever i hear him talk about he talks you know like you know what makes you decide to you know what gets you excited about a script and because actors all the time like oh it's an amazing script and he's just like he's more like oh at this point i like working with a lot of the same crew that i've worked with before and he's like you know I can't control the finished product. And a lot of times the finished product is secondary to me over the experience. And, you know, he's like, at this point I can do the projects I want to do. Uh, and I'd rather just work with people that I enjoy working with than anything else. That's fair enough. And, you know, he's in a position where he is not hurting for money at all. So right. he can kind of he can do, do what he whatever he that. wants. But yeah. Um, you know, I I sat through John Wick Chapter 4 a couple months ago, and it's, it's like two hours and 40 minutes, and it's just... I'm like, it's an action movie, and, like, it has all the big set pieces and stuff, but each, like, action scene, like, goes on for way too long. Like, each, like, big set piece is, like, 15 minutes long. You know, like, I got it. I got it. Like... I've I've thought about like going back and like actually doing a body count because so many people die in that movie. Like, there's easily like 500 people that die on screen in that movie, but I, I don't I don't need to sit through that movie again.
1: Yeah, I've never seen any of them. Um, I don't really watch action movies because you know, I guess I have
0: enough enough action, action you're going like, on in your
1: life. Yeah, uh,
0: it's I saw the first one like after the fact because it was like a surprise hit. And, like, it was clearly never meant to be a franchise. I don't even
1: really know what it's about. Give me the...
0: The first one is... A few sentences. He's a... Summary. He's, uh, a, he's a guy who used to be a hitman, has retired because, like, he met his wife and fell in love and um, didn't want to have that life anymore. And then his, his wife his wife dies. I think it's cancer, but I'm not sure. So it's just him and his dog living in this house. And the organization he used to work for tries to reel him back because he's such a talented assassin. And he's like, no, I can't do that. And they kill his dog. So he goes to he goes on a just a killing spree to avenge his dog. Okay. I don't know
1: what I was thinking it was about.
0: Yeah, that's the first one. And then each subsequent one, you get further and further into the mythology of this underground, you know, network of assassins and it becomes more like, the first one is relatively grounded in reality and it's just become this crazy, ridiculous fantasy where like, just every movie, Keanu Reeves travels to like three or four other countries and then kills a bunch of people there.
1: Sounds primitive.
0: You'd love it. (laughs) You would love it. If you love Dogstar, you're, <laughs> you're gonna love John Wick Chapter Four. Um, as a as as an expatriate now, um,
1: as a what?
0: what, a what? Exp- an expat?
1: Yeah, we don't use the word anymore.
0: <sighs> What's the word you use now?
1: Because so expat is is like this obnoxious thing that white people call themselves when they live in other countries, right, which. Differentiates them from other people from other countries who move to other places. I don't know. I'm just a I'm just a person who lives in a foreign country. I don't need to be an expat. That's fair. Yeah,
0: one of my brothers who lives overseas constantly drops that and is like very very proud of it. I think. But how does it? Because this is this is the second time in about 15 months I've seen you here in the United States. Like, how does it? How does it feel? when you come back now, um, like, does it feel... Because I know Bali is your home now, and, um, and, like, does that feel like your home now, and does this feel like a foreign place? Like, how is it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been in Indonesia now going on 14 years, (laughs) Uh Um, like, full-time living there. I definitely think when I come back to the U.S., I don't... I feel very... To say I don't feel American because certainly I'm still American with all the privileges that go along with that. Um, but culturally, I'm very, like, out of sorts, you know? Like, mm. for the first few days whenever I come back, I'm always just like, I don't know how to do things. Like, I don't know how the credit card machine works. Like, right. what's happening here, you know? Um, so, yeah, Indonesia definitely feels, you know, I've lived there basically half my adult life now. Yeah. Um, feels like home and yeah, so it's always strange to come back a little bit. It's a bit, like, disconcerting, like, because it's, like, all of these, like, memories of what you were, I think, because I left, I always say I left the mainland U.S. in my early 20s because I lived in Hawaii for seven years, and mm-hmm. Hawaii, although it's a part of the United States, culturally is very, very different. So I haven't really lived in the mainland United States in 20-plus years, right. Um yeah, so it's it's always a period of readjustment and not feeling like I really belong um, entirely to this place or this culture anymore, sure. I guess. Um, but then in other ways, when I'm around other Americans, or like, there are things you're like, oh yeah, no, there's, I'm still really American. It's right. funny like where it comes out in different places. I
0: would imagine, especially now that your your mom and your sister don't live in New England it's probably even more, like, don't feel, like, as much rooted in New England.
1: Yeah, I don't really feel like I, in ways, I don't really feel like I have a home in the United States anymore. Obviously, my family's here, and I always have a home with them, but... Um, yeah, you know, it's like there's no childhood home to go back to or anything. Yeah. I definitely feel more tied to New England than I do to other parts of the United States. Yeah. Um, I think my mom finds it really funny that I come up here when I come home, she's like, really? I want to go back up to New England? I'm like, well, that's where I grew up. So right. Right. That's where I feel like some sort of connection with, I think, mean, with the landscape here. And, yeah. Um, obviously, I know people all over the United States now because of the nature of my work. Like, I know people all over the world, essentially. So my friends aren't all necessarily here. I mean, when I come home, other than you, you know, I see a couple of people from high school, but we right. don't really have like strong friendships here other than my friendship with you. So it's funny that I do end up cooking back here because I'm like, I just need to get that little dose of like whatever it is that New England sure. is, you know? Sure. I'm not even sure really. I guess it's what we just saw this weekend, like do you really like the nature part of living here? Yeah. Is that you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I would
0: imagine it's it's a similar thing. I you know, when I did when I did that road trip five years ago, i are there we were, in
1: Concord already?
0: We are we are passing through the capital city of Concord, New yeah. Hampshire. Hello, Concord um where there is a mcdonald's uh, <laughs> there was no mcdonald's and there. probably less naked people on bikes i would imagine so yeah. yeah um uh uh when i did this road trip uh i felt like a weird nostalgia in two different places one was in jerome arizona where i had lived um but it was also, like, it was a weird, it's it's always a bittersweet thing when I go there because that was, for the most part, was a pretty, like, sad time in my life. So, like, it, like I connect to all those feelings. So, like, usually 48 hours is my limit in Jerome, and then I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. But uh, Maryland is actually the other one because that's where we lived before we moved to New Hampshire. And it's, I always have this weird, like, because I... I have vivid memories from my childhood from that time but it also has my brain doing the what if like what if we had stayed here what would my life be like now so Mm -hmm. it's you know but that's those are the only places and there's plenty of places on that trip and other road trips i've done that i've visited many times that i'm familiar with and have memories with but it's not like the same as having lived in a place yeah
1: like you know the same residence or something yeah yeah. yeah, it's pretty funny to have like ties to like two places that are so far away and so radically different in a lot of ways, like landscape wise. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's the experience of all immigrants, right? Like, sure. <laughs> you're simultaneously like in two worlds or multiple worlds all the time. Yeah. And you're in one place longing for the other, and then you go to the other place and you're longing for the place that you, you know, like you're never going to be fully you'll never be fully at home again because there's always this other place that holds some sway over you or some place in your heart, right?
0: Yeah. It's also, it's strange when you move around, and I'm sure you experience this even more than me, that, like, you make good friends and then if you go back to somewhere you've lived and, like, try and, like, like You inevitably talk about people that are important in your life and realize like other people in your life have never met these people and there's a good right. possibility never will yeah, that's right. be in the same. Yeah, it's very strange. Like,
1: Yeah, yeah I've been really incredibly lucky um, doing what I do and like all the opportunities that I've had. Like I've met so many incredible people, many of whom have become good friends. Um, of different from different points in my life from different places mm. but it's true like these people know these certain parts of your life and they don't know others because they were never with you in that context yeah um, and they've never met each other like yeah. It's, that's yeah it is kind of a funny thing like you have these sort of intersecting ties that never quite touch sort of.
0: <laughs> yeah i have um, i have a friend in Colorado who I met um online first but then like met in person on one of my road trips and have connected with a few times since then and I thought I was thinking about her like six months ago and I was like there's literally no one I know who knows this part like that connection is completely separate from I was like that's so weird like not to be not to be morbid or anything but I was like if I were to die suddenly like I don't think anyone would know how to contact Contact. this person like you know because that's someone who like i would want to know if something happened to her so i would imagine that there's the same feeling but i was like i don't even know if anyone would know how to like get in touch with her so kind of um random thought
1: yeah i mean I think about that stuff a lot because obviously i've chosen a rather different life path than most of the people i grew up around yeah um i have this famous favorite famous writer quote, he's a theorist actually, his name is Michael Warner like um, long before he wrote theory he was like a Pentecostal kid growing up um, and he writes wrote this great essay about being Pentecostal and discovering he was queer and like how that like led into his later anthropological theory yeah. but there's this great line in there where he says that like the ability to reinvent yourself is like such a a part of the American character essentially and I was like oh that's totally true like we really put a lot of stock in the ability to like you can be one person one day and then like decide you're going to completely be something else and that's something we encourage and we find as like a positive sure where in many cultures that's not so much the case right um and I've always sort of liked that idea that like maybe the Americanness in me is not so much that I like connect with American culture so much anymore, but my ability to like reinvent myself and be whoever I want to be, sure. um, is a very American part of me, I suppose. Um, what's going to say? Something about meeting people. Oh, so I was really shy growing up. Yeah. Um, and even like into my, after high school, into my early pre years. I didn't go to college right away. Um, and I think the one thing that I have found about traveling and having different kinds of friends in different places is that it's like really changed my ability to connect with people socially. Yeah. Like I would say that inside I'm still a shy person, um, but I really push myself to kind of like find ways to get me off that anxiety because, you know, when you do move around a lot and you travel a lot, like you need to learn how to meet people. Um, you know, sometimes in very strange circumstances. And I've, you know, over the course of time, have, like, figured out how to do that. And it's a really lovely thing to, like, land somewhere and go out somewhere and, like, meet people in some country that you're visiting that you then end up keeping in touch with. And, like, you know, some of them may become friends. um, So I've really enjoyed, like, my, you know, my 30s and into my 40s now, like, traveling by myself and, like, being able to just, like, go out to places and, by myself and meet people and and then expand that network you know and it's yeah. um, something that I really appreciate coming from the U.S. when we don't always have that as part of our culture or part of our social life. And sure. that, you, Americans can be very insular sometimes like when they're around people that they're not used to or that they don't know about they tend to like look for other Americans and I you know, obviously for many years have not done that because I don't necessarily like Uh, I was just going to say an Indonesian choco about match with people who come from the United States, especially if they're coming to, like, Asia for the first time. We have very little in common, for the most part, other than the typical American stuff, like TV and, you know, food preferences or whatever that stuff is.
0: Right, which is...
1: Politics, talking about politics.
0: (laughs) Which is certainly, Uh, like, the the small talk stuff, which don't you worry, I will. Actually, I'm not going to because we're going to go to Manchester. I'm talking back to the GPS lady. We're going um, to Manch
1: Vegas? Yeah. Oh, that's I've, the most exciting thing I've heard all day.
0: Well, I figured we could go look for that book. Oh, and okay. I'm going to take a little detour a to see if I can get some some, some black canvases at Michael's. Good. So, but to kind of like finish what I was saying like all of that stuff is very much small talk, which you've always been, or at least... My relationship with you has always been like getting to the crux of conversations and like, you know, um, really connecting with people so
1: Yeah, I'm one of those boring, annoying people that wants to talk about big important life things all the time. Yeah, yeah, you're much to the chagrin of much most of my friends that I drink with. Oh god, Kelly wants to talk about justice and equality again. Let's yeah. move to the other table. Yeah.
0: You are certainly someone I would describe as both boring and annoying. For Thank sure. You. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um well, we're about to hit the toll, so that might be a good place to to stop. Um, uh,
1: well, let's just do the, the breakdown for the record. How many years have we known each other? Since
0: 1996, so it's, it's right around 27 years. It was around this time when we started working together, so...
1: Wow.
0: yeah, Yeah. Um, hopefully, we'll know each other for another 27
1: Hopefully we both live that long. Yeah,
0: it's putting a lot of pressure on
1: us. <laughs> it is indeed. But we still like each other 27 years later. That's
0: true. That is true. And... yeah.